There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the crossover Sports Illustrated's NBA show. Breaking down the latest news, rumors, and everything in between. Here's your host, Chris Mannix, Rohan, and Chris Herring. All right, this is the Crossover NBA Podcast. I'm Chris Mannix. And with the NBA mercifully starting to slow down a little bit with James Harden talks at an impasse, with Damian Lillard talks at an impasse, that'd be a good time to look back and uh, take a deeper look at what we saw during this past NBA Summer League. I was at Summer League for you know five or six days, uh, watched a lot of games, don't really know what I'm looking at. I mean, when guys dominate summer league, it's just it's yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's they I've seen I've seen some summer league legends that never quite panned out in the NBA, but there were some interesting performances, some interesting names involved in that summer league. So to dissect all that, I figured to bring in a guy that knows everything about all the guys that come out of college basketball. John Rothstein, CBS Sports, uh, college basketball insider does a great job covering the association or covering college basketball i should say for cbs sports college hoops today as well check him out on that podcast follow him on twitter at john rothstein so john um i appreciate you joining me here because i i, I do want to i do want to uh kind of figure out what you think is real and what's not real uh but before we get into some of the specific names that i saw and people saw over the last couple of weeks uh the NBA draft was very non-college basketball heavy at the top. Yeah, You had four of the top five picks come from a place outside 
the college ranks. You know, the Thompson Twins, who of course came from overtime elite. Victor Wembanyama, we well know, number one overall draft pick uh, from France. Scoot Henderson, also uh, from uh, you know from the G League Ignite. So, is that a bad sign? Would you say for college basketball? How do you interpret the top of the NBA draft being so heavy on non-college basketball participants? Well, there are other avenues now for kids to go to the NBA if ideally what they want to do is go to the NBA and they don't have an interest in college basketball. And, you know, Chris, I felt for a long time that, you know, we should get rid of the one and done rule. If a player is good enough and wants to have the opportunity to go to the NBA right out of high school and doesn't have an interest in being in college, they should be afforded that opportunity. I've been an advocate of that for a long time. But now we have other avenues for these players to go to the NBA. And there are many players who don't make it. There's a number of players who have went to G League Ignite out of high school and have not been as successful as the players that we saw in the NBA draft. But it's ironic to me that, you know, we have this kind of metamorphosis where so many of the top picks are coming from a non-college basketball setting, when at the same time, I think the college game is healthier than it's been in a long time from a personnel perspective because of name, image, and likeness. Name, image, and likeness has allowed now players who may not be able to get multi-year deals as professionals to return to college and make a quality income. So it's ironic to me that we're going with this dynamic right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, And you mentioned the one-and-done rule. You know, a few years ago, Adam Silver was openly talking about how the one-and-done rule was probably going to go away, but the union never really pushed for it. And right. I, I, I think that one and done rule is probably here to stay for the foreseeable future. There's a new collective bargaining agreement already in place that didn't touch the one and done rule for that. So that's certainly not going anywhere uh, anytime soon. All right. So the top of the draft, you know, Wembenyama was obvious. Everybody wanted Wembenyama. It was in the draft lottery room. You know, the Spurs ecstatic. They got their hands on a generational prospect. But then it got interesting, I thought. At number two and number three. At number two, you had Brandon Miller. Terrific player out of Alabama. Uh, but I talked to a lot of people, John, that believe that the Hornets drafted as much for need as they did the best player on the board. I mean, Scoot Henderson, who was drafted one pick later by Portland, there are a lot of people in Vegas that believe Scoot is the better overall prospect than Brandon Miller. So let's start with Brandon Miller, who's now going to be LaMelo Ball's Running mate. He had a terrific, you know, uh, Vegas summer league. Didn't start off so great in the early summer leagues, but a terrific Vegas summer league. Um, What kind of player is he? Uh, What kind of player are the Hornets getting? A proven player, a player that played in an NBA style offense at Alabama under Nate Oates and made an excess of a hundred three point shots last season and shot a very, very high percentage from long distance. So for me, if you have that ability, to already be a proven commodity as an outside shooter with the way the NBA has kind of morphed here in the last 10 years where it's featured so much of an emphasis on spacing at the NBA level. I think a player like Brandon Miller, a player who not only had a high level of individual production, but one that was also a part of major team success. I mean, think about this for a second, Chris. Prior to last season, Alabama had never in the history of its program been a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. Brandon Miller was the primary reason why that was accomplished last year. So where do you stand on the debate between Brandon Miller over Scoot Henderson? I mean, you know, the, I don't know how much of Scoot you, you saw when he was playing with the G League Ignite, but uh, if you were starting a team from scratch, who should the pick have been? 
you know, I'm somebody who is probably a little bit more conservative and likes a proven commodity. Not that Scoot Henderson has not obviously shown tremendous promise, but to me, being able to do what Brandon Miller did over the course of a season at the highest level of college basketball is a much more known commodity than what Scoot Henderson did last year. Now, Scoot Henderson obviously gives you a dimension that Brandon Miller can't because having a dynamite point guard in the NBA is a game changer for any franchise. So that's something that, again, separates him because it's the most important position on the floor. But for me, I felt all along that Brandon Miller was going to be the answer and the guy that I was going to go with number two on my big board. Yeah, he certainly fits. I mean, they just gave LaMelo Ball a max level contract extension. He'll be there for the next five years. And I can see those two having a lot of success in transition and playing pick and pop. Um, All right. So a few guys I wanted to run by you because that that impressed me. Cason Wallace is the first. He goes to Oklahoma City. and, And anytime a guy goes to Oklahoma City, I think they probably are onto something because they have a lot more hits than misses uh, over the years. I believe Oklahoma City drafted him because they believe he's a defender. And, yeah. you know, they're looking at those kind of, you know, specific type of players. Lou Dort, who is obviously a great defensive player in Oklahoma. They're looking for that version of him, I think, at at the point guard spot. But he did show some, show some flashes of offense at Summer League. Uh, what's your take on Cason Wallace and specifically with his offense? Is there a ceiling there uh, for Cason Wallace? Well, the one thing I want to say is this. Kentucky players at the guard position always get better in the NBA than they were in college. You see them kind of morph to a completely different thing, and that's the positive for Cason Wallace. Another positive is this guy already can go into an NBA game and defend his position. And I remember talking to an NBA head coach a long time ago, and the one thing that he said that resonated about this topic was you are who you can guard. So for me – the offense for Casey Wallace is going to come over time. He only played one year in college basketball, but this guy is good enough right now, in my opinion, to go into an NBA game and guard the opposing team's best offensive player on the perimeter. That right there is an asset for a team to have in its arsenal, even if it's somebody, again, who you can't build around right away. It's a chip to play with in your rotation off the bench, and it's also a chip that you could move down the road if a team who's a championship contender wants to get better on the ball defensively. I've seen a lot of Davion Mitchell comparisons with Casey Wallace. How do you How do you feel about that? I don't mind the comparison, but the big difference was Davion Mitchell during the latter part of his career made himself into an All-American because of the way he carved out his offense and shot the basketball. The year that Baylor won a national championship, Davion Mitchell completely changed his offense and gave Baylor another capable scorer on the perimeter next to Jared Butler. But again, we have to remember this. You know, when we're talking about Casey Wallace, he didn't play multiple years in college like Davion Mitchell, you know, did. But, you know, it's a pretty good comparison, I think, from a stylistic standpoint. I mean, Davion Mitchell, when he first got to Auburn before he transferred to Baylor, was somebody who was known primarily for his defense, much like Cason Wallace is today. I just reflexively trust a lot of these Oklahoma City picks. Like, they've just got so many good young guys, and mm-hmm. and they do tend to hit a lot more than they miss. When they when they made that deal to get that pick to draft uh, Case and Wallace. I just assume they had something going on there. Um, along those same lines with Oklahoma City, are you as excited as I am to see muscled up Chet Holmgren? We had 195 at Summer League last year, John. Now I think he's at like 208. Uh, are you giddy about the prospects of seeing muscled up Chet Holmgren in the NBA next year? 
I'm jealous because like I can go and you know pound a couple of beers and have a burger and I'm going to gain 13 pounds. And it's a big deal for this guy to kind of just put on 13 pounds from one year to the next. I mean, the big thing, you know, you had in question with Chet Holmgren was when he got to this level, you know, would he be able to absorb contact, not just from post players, but from big, strong penetrating guards that would attack the rim? This is something that was a necessity for him not just to have a productive NBA career, but simply to stay on the court at this level. We even saw, you know, during his college career, there were many times where he got pushed around underneath the basket. So this is a necessity for Chet Holmgren, who's somebody who has the rare ability to dominate a game, protecting the rim, and also extending the defense from the five spot. Yeah, I I think he is, what he does is exactly what Oklahoma City was missing last year. I mean, they got great production out of the two Jalen's with that team. Uh, Shea Gildas Alexander took another leap forward. I mean, I'm the, if Chet Holmgren could be a rim protector, a pick and roll, pick and pop type of player with that team, that's a playoff team next year in the Western Conference. And sky's kind of the limit with the kind of talent they have uh, on that team. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, I didn't know Cam Whitmore was on draft night, uh, but then you see the tumble, right? Which really began... You know, fourth, fifth picks when the Thompson Twins were selected, you start to think about how far 
was Cam Whitmore going to fall? He falls down to number 20 where the Houston Rockets grabbed him up. Then I watched him in Summer League, and he looks great. He's a Summer League MVP. Uh, you know, one of the best players I saw, maybe the best player I saw in the Vegas Summer League. Um, what's your understanding about why Cam Whitmore tumbled on draft night? Well, it was a snowball effect, the number of things that, you know, tend to happen. You know this better than me with all your years covering the NBA, but this always kind of happens to somebody or could happen to somebody on the night of the NBA draft. But there were several factors, Chris, that I don't think were talked about enough when it came to Cam Whitmore. This is the first one. Now, I was at a Villanova practice last year in the preseason, and I was watching Cam Miller, Cam Miller, watching Cam Whitmore torture his teammates literally feasting on them every possession, post-ups, face-ups, jump shots, using angles, using both hands around the rim. And I left that Villanova practice, and I said, this guy is the best offensive freshman to play at Villanova since Tim Thomas. He's that talented. Cam Whitmore then went down with an injury that forced him to miss the rest of the preseason. This is in early October. And then he didn't get back into the lineup until some point, probably three weeks into the regular season. Now you're in a situation where, you know, you don't have the conditioning that you need to be in a scenario where you can hit the ground running at the start of the regular season. You're behind in a number of ways. And if you remember in that time period, Villanova had lost a number of games because Justin Moore, Villanova's veteran guard who tore his Achilles in the Elite Eight the year prior in the final seconds of the game against Houston, was not available. Justin Moore did not return to Villanova till January, and he was never really again in a position where he could be a calm presence from the start of camp because he was coming back from his own injury. So think about this for a second. Cam Whitmore didn't have the bulk of the preseason to be in a situation where he could be in game shape, where he could have his timing down to start playing college basketball. And he did not have a veteran presence on the perimeter to put him in positions to succeed because he was playing in his first season of college basketball. Villanova was a 500 team last year. I have no doubts whatsoever. If they had Justin Moore and Cam Whitmore, they go to the NCAA tournament last year in their first season under Kyle Neptune. He looked like a high lottery pick at yes. Summer League, which is where he was projected. Is that the kind of guy you saw in him last year when he was playing, yes. you know, a high lottery pick type guy? Yes, no question. He is a big-time, big-time talent. And again, if he was healthy, I think people would say he was the best offensive freshman at Villanova since Tim Thomas in the late 1990s. Yeah, I mean, it was just a couple of years ago, the Houston Rockets hit on Alperin Sangoon. They got with the 17th overall pick. If they hit on Cam Whitmore, that's going to help them a lot as they try to build that thing out uh, down in Houston. Uh, I want to talk about Denver because Denver is now in that position because they've spent so much money on the top of their roster and they've given away a lot of draft capital over the years that they've got to hit on some of these late first and second round picks in order to maintain their rotation, which you know becomes that much more difficult in this new collective bargaining agreement landscape yeah. where you know you go to a certain you know tax threshold, you lose some of the levers uh, that you've been able to pull on in the past to, to add talent. So I'm watching the Nuggets play at Summer League. And, you know, Julian Strother, I'm watching play. Hunter Tyson, I'm watching play. Both these guys were just aggressive shooters yeah. at Summer League, which I think is what you want. You know, I, I want to see guys in their first Summer League 
just going all. I don't want to see timidity in summer league. I want to see guys that are aggressive, looking to score, and looking to put up numbers. Do either one of those guys or both those guys give you uh, that kind of vibe of someone that could stick? Strother to me because the known commodity of his ability to shoot the basketball is something that totally translates to the NBA and totally translates to Denver. You know, made 83s last year and has experience, too, playing off of really good players. I mean, Chris, let's think about it. This year, he's played off of Drew Timmy. Last year, he played off of Drew Timmy, Andrew Nemhard, and also Chet Holmgren. So he has the mental mindset already that he's comfortable being an ancillary piece. And I think if you look at the Nuggets, and again, I do not want to be one of those college guys who crosses over the NBA and acts like I watch every game, but I did watch, obviously, the playoffs. (laughs) But with Jamal Murray, with Jokic, you need somebody who obviously can take pressure off those guys and not allow the defense to double team. Strother can do that in spot minutes. And Tyson? Competitive, hard-nosed, can fill a role, knows what he's good at and is good at what he knows. Capable screener, good finisher, has a chance to crack a rotation somewhere. Okay, so they should... Nuggets fans should be more excited about Strother, his potential to play with. with I I just think because of the ability he has to shoot the basketball, it's something that's just going to translate. Now, something could happen. Minutes could be available in the front court. They may need somebody like Hunter Tyson. Again, I'm not living with these NBA teams every single minute, but Mm -hmm. any player to me, and this goes back to what I was talking about with Brandon Miller, that has proven consistently that he can shoot the ball at a high percentage and make a high volume, I think is an outstanding chance to be somebody who can stick at the NBA level. Because you know this, there are certain stars, obviously, that are on a different level, but there are so many role players and so many guys who can stick by doing one thing really well. You are always going to need as many shooters as you can have. No, look, Denver, one way or the other, is going to be relying on young players next year. I mean, Christian mm-hmm. Brown is going to be a big part of that rotation. You know, they're hoping Peyton Watson can be part of that rotation. Maybe Julian Strother can crack it and uh, you know, give him that shooting that you're talking about there. Um, I, so I'm, I'm on Boston TV a lot, John, as yeah. you know. And the, the, the giddiness about Jordan Walsh is is getting out of hand. It's 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 a, it's a little bit wild. Like I mean, it's it's almost to the point where it's like we lost Grant Williams, we lost Marcus Smart, but we've got Jordan Walsh, baby. We've got Jordan Walsh as part of the rotation. And look, I liked him. He looks like someone who could be a good defender in the NBA. Yep. Showed a lot more offense than than I yeah. thought he had. You know, coming in um, with the 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 push of Coach Musk down there at Arkansas. He's getting a lot of a lot of hype behind him in the Boston market. Um, he is still only 19, though. And, and mm-hmm. I, you know, whenever I see a teenager playing well at Summer League, my immediate reflex is to believe he's going to spend more time playing with the Maine Celtics than right. he is with the Boston Celtics. But, you know, some people have suggested he could be a, a second-round steal. How do you view Jordan Walsh? He can be a rotation player because the defense will translate – He has the ability, I think, to be a pretty capable offensive player. And he comes from a coach who, again, has an extensive background, not just at the NBA level, but also at the G League level as well. And you look around, obviously, the NBA. I mean, the Martin Twins, especially with what we saw from Caleb in the NBA playoffs, is a perfect situation where Eric Musselman can not only obviously identify NBA talent, but also cultivate NBA talent. Remember this. Cody and Caleb Martin, okay, was in a situation where they came from NC State and transferred to Nevada. Both have obviously proven 
that you know they're capable at the next level. Yeah, I've been Boston. Yeah, I, I think they should temper their expectations. But he did look good. He did look like he can play a little bit. I just still think I still wouldn't be counting on him defending Giannis in the postseason. I think that might be no, but he can be he can be a piece, you know, to the puzzle and so on and so forth. I got to tell you, like I was surprised, and again, just watching socially, you know, the NBA playoffs, how much of a factor Caleb Martin was against you know yeah. against the Celtics, you know, it, you know during the Eastern Conference Finals. I mean, it was pretty impressive. I mean, I think that too has as much to do with that culture down in Miami. Like you plug somebody in there, whether it's Caleb Martin, Max Struess, like these Gabe Vincent, these guys that maybe don't succeed other places. They play in that system and they play for that coach and all of a sudden their careers well, just take off. Yeah, good. Well, And that, that's a perfect segue because I, I think the walk-off home run pick of the first round was Jaime Hawkes. Yeah. UCLA going to Miami and – you know, for people who, again, you know, covering the NBA aren't as familiar with the backstory, you know, UCLA and Jaime Hawkes's freshman season, which was also Mick Cronin's first year as UCLA's head coach. Chris, they were eight and nine and they were completely out of sorts. They were playing a two big lineup. They were playing a traditional look. And Mick Cronin made the decision to go smaller and use Jaime Hawkes at six, seven as a small ball four man. And UCLA at eight and nine then went on a run where if Jonah Matthews at USC misses a jump shot in the final regular season game before COVID shut down the world, UCLA would have won from 8-9 to having a share of the Pac-12 regular season title. That doesn't happen without Hami Hakas. Yeah, and I think this is going to be the beginning of a trend in the NBA. Hami Hakas is, what, 22, I think? He's on yeah. the, the older side, where you're mm -hmm. going to see contending teams lean towards drafting the juniors and seniors, even if they don't have the upside of yes. the freshmen or sophomores, because it goes back to the collective bargaining agreement. You want cheap talent. You need cheap, ready-to-play, right-away talent. If you're Miami and you're effectively on Jimmy Butler's clock, like he's going to be yes. 34 years old, you've got to plug-and-play a guy there, especially if you can't do a little trade. Jaime Aka is probably going to have to play next year if they don't do a deal that gets them a veteran that replaces the two guys right. uh, that they lost uh, in that backcourt. Uh, one guy I wanted to mention, bring up with you, and I, I just, I saw a lot of him play for some, whatever reason, I was at a lot of Cleveland Cavaliers uh, summer league games. Yeah. Uh, Imani Bates. Uh, watching him play, like I, I just watched him in a couple of games. I saw him play against Memphis in one of the last games they played out there. Just looks like he has all the tools. Like he's got yeah. a nice little jump shot. He's long. Uh, I don't know if he plays hard defensively, but he's got the defensive tools to be a good defensive player. Then you go back and read about his backstory, former five-star recruit, you know, had some issues in college, uh, you know, goes from Memphis to, was it Eastern Michigan? Yeah. Um, he, he looked like someone that if he gets his body right and he gets his maturity issues right, he's got the skill. Like the talent is obviously there. Uh, what What is your perception of Imani Bates? You know, Imani Bates is just the classic example of somebody who had way too much, you know, way too soon. I mean, he initially commits to Michigan State. People are comparing him to obviously a one and done type talent. He then decides to go to Memphis when he com com commits to Memphis. People are like, well, he's going to go to Memphis and play for Penny Hardaway because, you know, a lot of people think he can be the next Penny Hardaway. Like mm -hmm. this is all happening before he's ever played a college game. <laughs> and then he goes, obviously, to Memphis. He doesn't have a great, you know. First year, he wants up going to Eastern Michigan. If he can just be allowed to be nurtured and grow like a normal player, he's got a real, real chance, I think, to display some of the attributes that you're talking about. Yeah, he got hyped up playing in that game against Memphis because Donovan Mitchell was sitting there. And, and look, I don't expect a 
a kid like Bates to play right away. But if you're looking at that Cleveland roster, where the holes are, are on the perimeter. Wing wing players, wing defenders, wing scorers. They don't have a lot of those, you know, to play kind of opposite Donovan Mitchell or Darius Garland. Uh, he he impressed me in, in a couple of games there. We'll see if yeah. uh, he can live up to to that hype. Or you mentioned Jaime Hoskins. Last question for you here. Uh, was there anybody else in the draft that you watched over the course of the college basketball season and said, hey, that guy I think is going to be a good pro, whether it comes out now or later, that guy is is going to make it to the next level. You know, I would say Jaime was the guy that I mm-hmm. thought all along was somebody that could go into a rotation and be really, really effective. And the fact that he went to Miami, you know, yeah. I thought was a, 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 a perfect match. I think it's just ironic to me that, you know, you have Jaime Jaquez, who was, you know, seasoned, played in the Final Four, played in three straight Sweet Sweet 16s from UCLA. And then, you know, in the same vicinity in the first round, you had Brandon Pajemski, who, again, couldn't get on the floor at Illinois, transfers to Santa Clara, and is in a situation where, again, he's an accomplishable part of the first first round. College basketball, where the unexpected becomes the ordinary. Always, always. Check out John Rothstein on Twitter, at John Rothstein. Watch him at CBS Sports. Listen to him, the College Hoops Today podcast, collegehoopstoday.com uh, as well. John, always good to catch up with you, man. I appreciate all the insight. All right, Chris. Great visiting, man. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. 
Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.